You know, every so often, a, a, I'm, I'm sure this isn't just me, uh, any, anybody who gets up to teach from the Bible uh, comes across a passage they'd rather not teach, not because it's going to offend anybody, but because, uh, because it feels like it deals mostly with me. Because when you guys hear this, I mean, if you saw the message title, it says, uh, Those Who Teach, and I know not everybody finds themselves in a teaching position, and they could look and say, okay, whew, I'm off the hook. You know, but guess who's on the hook, right? It's me. And, but it's not just me. It's everybody who actually takes the opportunity to share what the scripture says with people. But this is one of those messages where it's like, I'm on the hot seat, right? Anybody who gets in, in front of a Sunday school class or a Bible study uh, is, is more on the hot seat. But we're going to find that this is not just hot seats for those who are speaking. There's something that's uh, going to apply to the rest of us. But this is one of those messages I would have just rather have just read for myself and said, okay, this is what I need to do and move on and then blast you all with something else next week. But that's not the case. Uh, we got to preach through it all the way through. And so today I might get hammered more than anybody else. So let's pray and, and I'm just going to ask God for clarity of speech and for clarity of understanding. God, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you for how it's living and active. God, I thank you for uh, that you gave it to us. Uh, so we can know what your thoughts are about these things. And God, I pray that you give us the ability to understand what you are trying to teach us. God, I pray for clarity of speech. I just pray that you give me uh, the ability to, to be understandable and that this would make sense. God, I know I have a lot to learn from this as well, so please speak to me and help me to improve on, on these things as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Is this, is this thing on? It is on. Okay. All right. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 21, verses 41 to 47. And the two things we're going to look at is those who teach God's word must learn God's word. Makes sense? And those who teach God's word must live God's word. So uh, we're going to start with the first one. Those who teach God's word must learn God's word, verses 41 to 44. Then Jesus said to them, How is it, is it that they say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be called his son? So, okay, so it's been a... We, no one was at church last week, right? Everybody kind of got the day off, so we're going to have to do two messages today. I forgot to tell you that. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm glad people got that. Okay. Um, so anyway, it's been a couple. It's been a while since we since we've actually looked at some of this. I just want to do a refresher course. We've had uh, the disciples of the Pharisees send the Herodians, and they're uh, and they go and talk to Jesus, and they start asking him questions, and they're trying to trick Jesus. One was about paying uh, tribute or taxes to Caesar. You guys remember we had the picture of the coin, and Jesus said, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God's what is God's." And how uh, this this coin had Caesar's picture on it, which obviously meant it belonged to him. We were made in God's image, and we belong to God. Therefore, we should give to God our lives, which is what God deserves. So you had these guys ask a question, and Jesus shut them down. The next week, we had the Sadducees ask Jesus a question about the, about the resurrection. And the Sadducees uh, did not believe that there was any life after death. They thought once you died, that was it. Not, there was no, uh, there's no judgment. There was no accountability for what you did. You were just done. And so they were free to pretty much live life that they, the way that they wanted to. And Jesus was able to show them from Scripture that, wait a second, you guys, because they would only accept the first five books of the Bible as legitimate books. 
And he used that to show them that, you know what, God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive because they're up in heaven with him in paradise. And so he was able to show from Scripture that the, the dead, in fact, do rise again. And now Jesus takes a turn. He takes his opportunity to talk to these uh, teachers of the law and see what they know. Because they, they obviously know things. They're the teachers, right? They're, they're telling the, the crowds, this is what the Scripture says. This is what I think it says because they have an idea of, of what they know. So first of all, let's see what do these guys know. And if we go to Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 42, uh, it's maybe a little bit easier to see that this is a conversation. Because when you read it in Luke, it sounds like this is a monologue of Jesus talking. He asks a question, he asks a question, and he kind of silences everybody. But if you read in Matthew, you find out that Jesus does ask a question and that these guys actually give an answer. And you might be surprised they give the right answer. So Matthew, just, just for fun, Matthew chapter 22, verse 42. Matthew 22, verse 42. It says, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And all the teachers of the law, they replied, the son of David. Okay, and, and they were right. They were correct in thinking that the, the Messiah, the Christ, is going to be the son of David. And you can find that at uh, based off in the Old Testament. There's lots of passages that would give them that idea, that would make them believe that. In, in 2 Samuel, you can find it in Jeremiah, and a couple passages in Isaiah. We're not going to try to look at those right now. But you also find out in the New Testament that people knew then that the Messiah was going to be the son of David, that the Christ was going to be the son of David. This was not some obscure thought that some people had. This was something that everybody knew. You find the Canaanite woman who had a demon-possessed daughter who was crying out to Jesus, please, uh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me and heal my daughter. They knew it then. Uh, blind Bartimaeus, when he wants his sight back, he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so this was something that everybody knew that the, the Christ, that the, that the king was going to come through the line of David. And when Jesus is quoting the book of Psalms, uh, this verse that we read back to chapter 21 of Luke, uh, verse 42, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You can find that in Psalms chapter, uh, chapter 110, verse 1. And this was not a random psalm. I mean, you and I might go, okay, what's actually in Psalms 110, verse 1? But these guys would know that. This was the most quoted psalm throughout the whole New Testament. And it was something that these uh, teachers of the law knew. They knew that David wrote it, and, and they knew where it was found. This was something that was very common that they all should know. But what these guys did not know, or what they did not understand, was this question that Jesus asked them in verse 44. David calls him Lord, meaning the Christ. How then can he be called his son? Now the easy part of this to understand is that there is going to be the Christ who's going to come through the line of David. That's not hard. You, you just follow genealogy. You can follow it in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke where you find it traced down. And you can just say, okay, the next person in line eventually is going to be this uh, the Christ, right? And they, they knew it was going to come through the line of David, and they know at some point in the future this is going to happen, right? So they, they, it was easy to understand. Uh, at some point in the future, I'm probably going to have a son or great-great-grandson, and hopefully he'll become something. So you, you understand the genealogy, and it's just life and death, life and death before you finally get to somebody. So that was the easy part. But the thing that they did not understand was the king 
was not just going to be an earthly man like they were. They thought at some point, yes, the Messiah was going to come. He's going to overthrow uh, whatever government and make Israel back on top. He was going to be a king just like King David was. But from that point on, it was going to be smooth sailing. They were going to be back up on top. And so they were willing to accept the easy part, but they were wrong because Jesus was not just an earthly king. He was not just a man who lived on earth for a short while and then died and went through the way of history. So that's where they were wrong. Now the hard part about this, and I'll, I'll try my best to be as clear as I can, was how could David call his son Lord? It's easy to see how he could call him his son because at some point in the future he was going to be his son. How could David call him his Lord? That's what these people didn't get. That's what they did not understand. The only way for David to call him Lord and Master is for Jesus to be eternal. You know, it doesn't make sense for me to say, I'm going to call somebody in my future, way after I'm dead, Lord and Master, right? Because I'm not going to have anything to do with them. I can't bow down to them. I can't serve them. I can't do anything for this guy because he's dead. Uh, the difference in, in time frame between Jesus and David was about a thousand years. And so uh, for David to worship, or, or yeah, to worship, uh, to call somebody his Lord and Master a thousand years ago, or a thousand years from now, does not make sense, does it? Right? A thousand years from now, calling somebody anything doesn't make sense because you don't even, you don't even get to meet them. So the only way for David to call his son Master and Lord was for him to be eternal for him to be eternal. Now, if you find it hard to believe that Jesus is God, I, I, I want you to take some notes, okay? I want you to write down some references. If, if you think, I don't even know how I could defend that Jesus is God. I mean, because maybe you know in your mind that Jesus is God, but if you can't write down or you can't defend it, now would be a good opportunity to do that. The Bible does not say, does never record Jesus saying that I am God. That would sure make it easy, right? If Jesus in the book of Luke said, I am God, then we would be able to recognize easily that he was God. So we have to do a little bit of studying other parts of Scripture, but I think you'll see that it's very clear that Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was not just a teacher, that Jesus was God in the flesh. Uh, I'm going to read some of these. I'm going to talk about other parts of them. One of the most famous ones, and the kids probably all know, John chapter 1. one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Anybody recognize that verse? Yeah, Taven? All right, good. Yes, in the back. Good job, Kennedy. Blaine? Yeah, see, these guys got that. They learned that in Awana. Now, that word, Word, is another name for Jesus. So you could read this. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And if you go down to verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's one verse to show that proves that Jesus is God. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, something that we've looked at, uh, I feel like, a number of times. Uh, it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, so Jesus being God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing and taken the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. When Jesus came down to this earth, he didn't say, I'm going to come down to this earth like God. He said, I'm going to come down in the form of this man that I created so that I can suffer like they have suffered, so that I can be their help when they're being tempted, and I can understand 
exactly what they went through and ultimately so I can die on the cross. So that's another proof that shows that Jesus is God in the very nature Jesus was God. You guys remember the story of Tom, doubting Thomas. All the disciples, 10 of them, because Judas has already hung himself, so there's 11 left. 10 of them saw Jesus at one time, but Thomas didn't. And Thomas would not believe what the disciples told him. He said, if I can't see my, stick my fingers in his hands, put my hand, fingers in his side and in his feet, then I'm not going to believe. And when Thomas finally see Jesus, sees Jesus, he says, my Lord and my God. Now, uh, did Jesus, he didn't say, no, wait a second, no, that's not true. He didn't let Thomas be deceived into thinking something that wasn't true. No, it was true. Jesus was willing to accept the words, my Lord, my Savior, my King, and my God, because that is exactly who he was. Titus 2.13. This is, this is probably uh, one of the clearest ones. This isn't a wanna verse, at least it was back in the day when I was a kid. Titus 2.13. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, when, when Jesus was uh, healing the, the guy, when they, they lowered him through the roof, and Jesus was going to uh, prove to everybody that he had the power to forgive sins, he said, sons, your sins are forgiven. And all the Pharisees said, wait a second, the only person who can do that is God. And in order for them to know that Jesus was God, he says, uh, get up, take your mat, get up and walk. So uh, Mark chapter 2, I want to make sure that I said that right. Uh, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says, get up and walk. They, they understood, they knew that only God could forgive sins. He's in a sense like, claiming, I am God because I can forgive sins. So I hope it, at least that gives you a better confidence to know that yes, Jesus is God. He's not just a good man. He's not just a good teacher. When the world tells you, yeah, I'll believe that he was a prophet. I'll believe that he was a good leader. You can say, wait a second. You know what? I believe that Jesus is God come down in the flesh, and here is why I believe that. Now, I think, and I could be wrong, I think that those teachers of the law should have known that. They should have recognized uh, that Jesus was, or that the Messiah was going to be God. He wasn't just going to be a good man. He wasn't just going to be the king for such a time as this to put the nation of Israel back on top. They should have understand that he was going to come and rule and reign and it was going to be forever. They, they were teachers. They should have known that they were teaching. I'm sure they could tell you the, the verse and the chapter. They can open up their, the scroll and say, hey, look, here it is. But they did not understand what they were teaching. And we can find ourselves in that same boat where we can quote chapter and we can quote verse, but we can have no idea what we are trying to teach. And when we teach today, we need to make sure that we understand that we are teaching. Now, that's going to apply to uh, parents who are teaching your kids uh, about something the Bible says. That's going to apply to Sunday school teachers or to Awana workers or to Bible study teachers or even to me. I can't just get up here and say, hey, this is what I think. This is what I want to say. I have to make sure that what I'm teaching is actually what the scripture itself says. Now, some people are going to have an easier time than others uh, pulling the wool over people's eyes. You know, because sometimes, uh, and I find myself here working with little kids too, is uh, little kids can't read, right? They, they, they can't follow along in the Bible, and they just say, okay, you tell me that 8 plus 8 is 64, okay, because I don't know the difference, right? You and I know because we have learned that. 
a little kid that doesn't know anything about what the Bible says is going to take everything you say as true. They may not understand it, but we can tell them anything we want to because they don't know, and we don't have to prove it to them, right? Uh, but I think about that with kids in Sunday school. I think about that with kids that I work with in Awana. I have to make sure that what I'm telling them is really true. Some people, they know how to read. They know how to check along with Scripture. They know how to follow along, but they just don't want to. They don't want to, they, they hear something from Dr. David Jeremiah, and they just take that as the gospel truth. Now, I like Dr. David Jeremiah. There's nothing, I'm never going to put the guy down. I believe pretty much everything he says is accurate, and I believe it more, not just because he says it, but if you look and follow along in the word and see it for yourself. We're not supposed to take anybody's opinion and say, okay, that's the gospel truth. We need to be able to look at it and see it for ourselves. But not everybody wants to do that. Some people want to just say, okay, Josh said it, so it must be true. My Sunday school teacher said it, it must be true. Uh, but if we're teaching, we, we have to make sure that we know what it is that we are teaching. Uh, not, not just hearsay, not Dr. David Jeremiah says this, but we're passing along what does Scripture really say? And for us, it's a much easier thing for them back then. Because back then, they didn't have a Bible that they could follow along with. When somebody got up to speak, they had to just sit and listen very, very carefully. And if they wanted to check it out, they could, they could get, it, you know, get to a scroll and find out and see this is what this really says. But we have, we have ample sources at our fingertips to determine if Josh said the truth or if Josh is up here blowing hot air. Uh, you, you can follow along in your Bible. Uh, there, there's, there's different methods of studying. In our Sunday school class, uh, we're trying to see what does the Bible really say for ourselves. You know, what? You, the easiest thing that you can do is grab a commentary. And I have four or five of them. I've, I've given you sites on the computer, and you can see like 50 commentaries if you want to. And you can say, okay, this is what James Fawcett and Brown says. This is what Barnes says. This is what these guys say. And so this must be true. And I'm going to guarantee you that for the most part, everything that they say is true. But I have to tell you that they don't always agree with each other. And so if they, if they always did 100%, sure, it would be easy to say, just pick one and go with it. But they don't, they don't even always agree. So during Sunday school class, we're trying to look at how do I study the Bible. We're trying to look at different translations because they don't all word things the same way. Uh, we're trying to look at what does the word say originally in Greek. And you can learn an awful lot. I know a couple weeks ago, we were looking at Acts 1.8, and I learned a lot about being a witness, and it had this idea of being a martyr. Now, I didn't even ever think about that. I didn't put those two ever together, but it was being a martyr for their faith because you're that kind of witness to the very end, not just, I'm just saying, okay, yeah, there was this event that happened, but it's, it's taking a stand, and you're living it. Like, you're, you're holding on to this life and death it, because that's what really matters. And so that was, it was kind of exciting. Maybe it's just a, a preacher thing, right? You, you learn what words mean, and it's fun, but... We're trying to look at that. I want them to understand that you can understand this too. This is not just something for the Sunday school teacher. It's not just something for the David Jeremiah. It's not something just for uh, the, the preacher to know. This is something that we all can do, and it can be fun. You can actually learn stuff. And then we get an idea of what does the text mean. We try, we try to develop in our own study what we think this is saying. And then you go to the commentary and see, am I close to this? in my way off, because we're not supposed to take the commentary's point of view on this. We're supposed to see what does Scripture say. And if you've done your homework correctly, more than likely, it's going to match up with what the commentary says. But you will know for yourself that what you're hearing is really true. So, uh, those of us who teach, we are on the hot seat. We have to make sure that we know what we're teaching. 
Not just what a, a Bible study book says, not just what a commentary says, but we need to be able to look and follow along the scripture, somebody's praying a thought, and see, okay, yes, I see that this is really true. For those of you who aren't teaching, and that's me sometimes too, because I don't teach 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I am a, a student too. I try on my day off to go listen to Dr. David Jeremiah. And what I try to do is follow along to see if what he's saying is really true. Um, Acts 17, 11, uh, Paul uh, applauds and he, he praises the Berean church because they check daily to see if what Paul said was really true. And, I, and I've said this before and I'll probably say it again. If Paul's saying, good job, you guys, you checked me out to see if what I said was true, you better be checking me out because I am no Paul. <laughs> right? I'm just Josh. I, I do the best that I can. But if he's saying, good job for checking him out, Double to any of you who check me out, okay? And if I'm wrong, please come and tell me, okay? But I, I, I just think Paul's praising them, and I will doubly, doubly praise you because this is something that we are called to do. We should know what we are teaching. And if you don't know what you are teaching, you shouldn't be teaching it. And I, I know the hardest person in here that I think to have that problem is me, okay? Because who's the one that you expect to know all the Bible answers? Maybe it's your Sunday school teacher. But I know, I, yeah, Todd's like, yeah, like you, this is what we pay you for. You're supposed to know this. And I know that not everybody knows everything because I don't know everything. And it'd be really easy to pull the wool over people's eyes and make them think I know what I'm talking about because I'm supposed to. And it's really hard to admit and say, you know what, I really don't understand that or let me check this out. But if I don't know, I shouldn't be trying to spill it or I shouldn't be trying to fool people. But what I should be doing is going home and studying it out to make sure that I do understand what I am talking about. Do you guys get it? If you're going to find yourself in a teaching position, whether it's VBS, we're doing an object lesson, or whether it's in Sunday school, or whether it's in Awana, make sure that you understand and you know what you're talking about. So that the person who wrote the Bible, uh, that passage, could come and say, you know what, good job, Nicole. That's exactly what I had in mind. Yes, Steve, thank you. You did a good job with that. So that the Holy Spirit says that's exactly what was intended for, for, for these people to know. We have to make sure that we know it. We also have to make sure that if we're going to teach God's Word, we have to make sure that we live God's Word, which that's obviously something we all need to do anyway, but it's almost doubly uh, people's eyes are especially on those who are teaching to say, okay, are you practicing what you're preaching, or are you just dumping this load on us to make sure that we're the ones carrying the heavy loads? Because these guys... Uh, that we're going to look at were not practicing what they were preaching. They were trying to uh, make the, the people think one thing, but really they were doing something else. So those who preach God's word must live God's word. Luke chapter 20, verses 45 to 47. It says, while all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and, and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and make a show, and for show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be most uh, severely punished. So they had this, this outward uh, look to them that says, wow, these people are special. They gave these nice, long, lengthy prayers. And some people get really excited about that. I hope if someone gives a long, lengthy prayer, I get to sit down. Because <laughs> it's hard to stand while somebody just keeps talking and talking and talking. But they had this outward expression. They looked good. They wore the long flowing robes. It made them stand apart from everybody. They loved to be greeted in the marketplace. People recognized them as the holy guys, as the special people. 
Uh, they loved the best seats of the house. Back then they had this tradition of who is the most learned of all those, those people got the best seat, and they always wanted that. So they're always kind of comparing themselves with each other to see who could be the next in line because it just showed, look how holy I am. But what they were really doing was not that holy because it says uh, they, they devoured widows' houses, right? And, they, and for a show, they, they, had to, they wanted to make sure that they looked apart, but they did not act apart. And according to a commentary I read, uh, when, when they devoured widows' houses, kind of what it's talking about, uh, one of the things that they would do is they would take uh, payment for, legally, for legal aid, helping these, these widows. And that, they were prohibited to do that. But if the widow was desperate enough and needed help and turned to them, or if the widow did not know better, it would be really easy for them to take advantage of these widows. And we already saw uh, that they don't have any money, right? They don't have any resources. And if these guy, people are taking advantage of these widows, they're big jerks, right? That they're, they're willing to devour this poor widow who has nothing in order to help themselves. Uh, they, they would also cheat the widows out of their inheritance. Uh, they would mismanage the widow's property who dedicated themselves to work in the temple. They would, they would dedicate themselves, and they'd put the, these people in charge of their estate, apparently, and they would mismanage it, and they would do it all for the financial gain for themselves. And the last one here is, uh, anybody wants to pay for this, I, I'll, no, it's not worth it. Um, it says they would accept money for special prayers, right? Who here can give a special prayer? I mean, those guys may be twice as religious as I am, but their prayers didn't mean anything more than, you know, Nick's prayer, right? Nick's prayer probably meant more because he was genuine when he prayed for the offering. There's, there's nobody here whose prayers are more special. They might sound more elegant, but when God's eyes, he doesn't look and say, wow, that just awed me and inspired me, so I'm going to put that into, I'm going to do exactly what you asked me to do. No, he says, just talk to me, and, and let's just have this conversation. There's nothing special, but they, they trick these widows into thinking that, well, I'm going to say this long, lengthy prayer for you, and so you're going to have to pay me for this. Jerks. Every one of them that acted that way. They had this outward appearance of looking good. Everybody saw, wow, I want that. Probably I want to be like that and, and just think, wow, we're going to worship this guy. But really, they were the scum of the earth. They were, they were as far off as you could get. Um, in Matthew 23, uh, this, the same story in Matthew 23, you find out that Jesus is kind of along the same lines of what's been going on. But he says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. These guys were good at the, the, the speaking, they were good at the looks, they were good at doing all these outward expressions of religion, but really what was on the inside that people could not see, Jesus could see, and he says, don't be like them, because they do not practice what they preach. And we should live God's word if we're going to preach it. Which I have to admit, sometimes I don't like getting up here and saying things. Because I know that if I say it, I better do it. And if, if, if people are paying attention, they could catch me not doing what I should be doing. So it's just it's extra pressure, it's extra responsibility, but that's what, uh, is just what's expected. In James chapter 3, uh, you find out a couple of things, James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Like God's going to look at me and say, Hey, Josh, I'm going to check you over twice because I'm going to judge you more strictly because you were there every Sunday 
telling these people how to live. Did you do that, Josh? Ah, uh, that's, that's, that's not fun. That's, this is not fun for two weeks to have to think about this. Okay, then I really got to make sure I'm minding my P's and Q's. I'm trying to tell you what God's Word said. I better keep my, my eyes on myself and make sure that I'm doing it as well. But the same goes for anybody who shares God's Word with somebody. We have to make sure that we're not just saying something. We have to make sure we're doing it as well. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. And this goes for everybody. The teacher, the student, uh, the, the, the bystander, everybody who's, who's a part of this, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man looking at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continu- continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You know, it does me no good to spend all week studying what the scripture says and, and, and teaching a Sunday school class and getting up here and preaching to you or whoever is here if I don't put it into practice. Sure, it might, it might keep me fed for another week, uh, but it does, no, it does no good. It does you no good to come to church to teach a Sunday school class or a Bible study if you don't put it into practice. It does you no good to skip a morning of sleeping in to sit in a pew on a Sunday morning if you don't put what you hear into practice. And it's not because I've said anything or because your Sunday school teacher has said anything. It's because God has said anything. It doesn't do us any good. And I've found myself in every position that you're in, student, Sunday school teacher, Bible study teacher, preacher. And so it's just like I'm pointing all the fingers at me. It does nobody any good if all we do is hear it, if all we do is soak it in, but we never put it into practice. Uh, it'd be like the person who reads on investing, but never puts their money into anything to invest. The person who wants to, to lose weight, but never does any exercise. You're right. It's a person who wants to fix their car, has the manual, has all their tools, but never gets out and does it. Right? It's pretty pointless. And that's exactly the way it is with God's word. God's not interested in what you know. God's interested in how, you, how well you put what you know into practice. So if you find yourself in a teaching position, I want to encourage you, like I have to encourage myself, to make sure what am I saying is accurate. Um, if you're listening, I want you to make sure that what you're hearing is true. Follow along in what the scripture says. And if you're listening, I want you to make sure and make sure myself that we have the correct response, that we don't just say, yeah, that was good for somebody else, we look and say, how does this affect me? How does this apply to me? i just leave you, leave you with uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. We all have God's word at our fingertips. Uh, most of us know how to read. We know how to study. We know how to follow along. Make sure that what you're hearing is true and make sure that what you're doing is accurate, that, it's, that you're putting it into practice. Be challenged. Those who teach... Maybe that, to me, I'm, I'm challenged. I got to make sure everything. I, I can't just slip in something that it's going to fool somebody. I got to make sure what I'm saying is true. But I also got to make sure that what I'm saying, I have to put into practice. And if, if you need help with that, may God bless you and help you. Uh, I'm going to pray for God's help in my own life. So uh, let's pray. God, I do thank you for your word. God, it is living and active. God, it's important for every area of our life. And God, I'm going to be honest with you. It is not easy. God, I know that there are so many things in here that it's easy to tell everybody else to do, uh, but it's not always easy to put into practice. And so, God, I just pray for your help to do that.
uh, that we would be able to put into practice. God, for those of us who teach or in any way share what your word says, I pray that you give us a clear understanding of what your word really means. And we'd have the ability to teach it and articulate it well so that people understand it. God, please give us grace. Please give us, be patient with us as we try to do better. And I pray for your help to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen.